This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 382, recorded on Monday, June the 4th. 2018. May the June the 4th be with you? No, that you can't. Work. You can't do that every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. No. Uh, I was going to say it's June. We are in the summer, sort of. At least it feels like it. It's nice outside. Uh, I'm totally run down because I'm overworked at work. But what are you going to do? That happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. How are you Absolutely. doing? I am doing fine, thank you. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it does happen sometimes, but we're both at home. Neither of us are on the road, which is nice. Yeah, that is very nice. So uh, we don't have to mess around with the podcast schedule. And that's good. That is very good. Yeah. And we're recording on a Monday. This is really pretty sweet. <laughs> this is exactly how we like to do it. Yeah. Well, anybody, anyway, everybody, we have a uh, a good podcast for you here. We are going to do, you know, a lot of you had reactions to the news last week about Andrew Lincoln leaving The Walking Dead. So we are going to get to many of those later on in the show because that's such big news. We don't want to just let that go. Of course, we need to talk some more about it. We also have your reactions to this week's episode of Fear the Walking Dead. And of course, the main thing is to talk through that episode, which uh, we're going to do right now. Super. So the wrong side of where you are right now. A bit of an awkward title, I thought, for this one, but it's season four, episode seven. Yeah, a bit of a tonguey twister, too. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. The wrong side of where you are now. Say that ten times slow. No. Not sure you that could. That makes horrible podcasting. <laughs> yes, it really does. Uh, so, Jason, here we are. Um, it's been two weeks since a new episode. At the end of the last one, we had everyone's favorite character, John Dory, take a bullet shot to the to the gut, and no one really knew what was going to happen there. And this week, we, we find out that he's not dead, at least not dead yet, which is nice, yep. but he doesn't play a big part in this episode other than they're you know trying to travel somewhere to get help for him while naomi keeps him alive he basically spends the episode getting dragged around and he bleeds a bit and he's not uh, from what we could tell he was not shot in the uh uh the scrabble hole what did you call it <laughs> actually i have uh i have something here that will remind us what it's called this uh comes from youper dude Ah, oh, the Scrabble box. That that was it. <laughs> yes, right in the Scrabble box. So I I was glad to find out that he was not shot in the Scrabble box. I I kind of thought that would be an acceptable um, turn of events if it if it did turn out that way. If a little bit cliche, but now that it's not the case, I feel like it's better this way. I it would have been maybe too easy for him or too obvious to be shot in the Scrabble box. Yeah, that's not the way. It's too cliche. It's better this way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Everything I'm going to say, I'm going to rhyme. No way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but I was going to ask you, you know, after last week and the big cliffhanger of John Dory being shot, what did you think of this episode in general? Did you enjoy it Did uh, or did it drive you insane? Uh, I'm going to, it falls somewhere in the middle. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, it wasn't my favorite episode. It was okay. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm, we got some good information. 
we got some information. Everything seemed a little obvious to me, uh, really. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think I have some things to say about the, the information we got in this episode. I thought it was okay, too, but there was something kind of awkward and weird about it. But we'll get to that in a minute. I want to I start with the opening. Um, we, we come back basically right into this showdown uh, on the street or in the uh, racetrack where we've got the vultures and Alicia and her crew. But we sort of, um, it sort of was a weird start for me because when we left off, Alicia had taken that shot at John, but otherwise everyone was just standing around on the road, kind of looking at each other, pointing their guns at each other. And now we're dropped right into this gun battle. And I, the first thing I wondered to myself is, well, how did we go from standing around pointing guns at each other to a full on gunfight with everybody taking cover, nobody dead. And, and it's just a big battle. Like they, they kind of yada yada over this once again to me. They they kind of did. It was a little abrupt, but I think that uh, from a storytelling perspective, uh, that I think that's what they were going for. Like they went for the they started with the intimate moment between uh, Laura and John Dory, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they started. You know, they were together, and the whole world was just gone. Right? We didn't have the sound of gunfire. We didn't have anything, and then the wider world crept in, and all of a sudden there was gunfire. So I can understand. Uh, what they were trying for from a t- storytelling perspective. That's that's true. That's a really good point. I did really like the opening shots of John and Naomi um, back from their Laura episode, right, where they were canoeing and just eating and playing Scrabble. To be honest, though, that reminded me once again of how much I feel like I could watch a show just about the two of them doing, you know, going about their life surviving in this zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you know, I could I could watch that. Well, absolutely, I could watch that. But you're right, we cut pretty quickly from that to to this battle. I just feel like, though, there there needed to be a scene where, I don't know, everybody scattered all of a sudden to, to cover, somehow to, like, kick it off, start the fight, not just, not just show them standing there two weeks ago, and now they're in the midst of it. And I get it, it's a contrast, but I think just something a little extra would have brought it all together for me a little bit more. That's a trade-off. They made a choice. I, I can I can respect that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't really like about this scene is it gets to a point where the vultures end up retreating in the battle, which to me, I'm like, there's like 20 of them. And there's like, what, Strand, Alicia, and Luciana on the other side? It's like yeah. 20 or more against three, and the vultures are the ones that are going to, like, run off and retreat. I, I don't I, – it felt – it just didn't feel right. I don't know. Well, I, it has I didn't to understand. Do, no, that, that, that rang true to me as well. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. We've probably never been in the gunfight. But, no. But uh, you've ever been in this situation where you're with a bunch of people or you're with a few people that you need to rely on, and uh, they just fucking scatter. Right. They just, for some reason, they're just gone. They don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't hold up their end because they're just a collection of individuals that are out for number one and they're not used to the situation they're in. So that's what strikes me as uh, what the vultures were. They're just these guys that do this thing. But when the chips come down, when the chips fall and you need to rely on your buddies, the one guy just said, man, we got to get out of here and bolts like he's gone. 
A buddy right. doesn't do that in a firefight if you're trained or you're invested emotionally with these people. Uh, so the the vultures may have had numbers on their side, but they're just a bunch of individuals. Whereas Alicia and the gang, they've been doing this for a while, and they're emotionally motivated to achieve the goal that they're that they're trying for. So, so they're, in my mind, they have the advantage in this situation. I so don't, this kind of rings true to me. I don't know. I mean, I I can see that, but at a certain point, numbers are going to uh, overtake. The emotional advantage any day and, and three to one. Well, three three to one is the uh, is the numbers you need in order to assure victory in a battle. Well, and I think the vultures had that. I mean, they, I I said they had at least twenty people against three, <laughs> but they're not properly motivated individuals. I don't know. May, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, no, I just I I didn't think of the vultures as a cohesive unit. I just saw, saw them as a bunch of guys that were trying to take advantage of a situation. And uh, if the situation doesn't go perfectly their way for the entire time, they just bolt. I mean, I suppose that's believable based on, on what we know about them because they show up somewhere. They don't actively do anything aggressive or physically aggressive. They just sort of wait around. Right. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they haven't been in a lot of, actual physical battles like this. They've done a lot of sitting around and they're just not prepared for it. But I don't know. I still yeah. feel like they had the numbers that it wouldn't have ended up this way. I mean, really the way this battle would have gone down is Alicia takes the shot. Somebody else starts shooting and maybe strand Luciana and Alicia each take out one person, but there's 20 other people standing on the other side. They're all dead. Fight's over. Yeah, it could go that way. And but I don't, I don't know if, uh, uh, numbers work in uh, with untrained individuals <laughs> and unmotivated individuals. They need to be properly motivated, right? They don't. They don't have uh, uh, William Wallace. You've never seen Braveheart, damn you! They don't have Braveheart standing uh, in front of them, going, you know, you can take our whatever, but you'll never take our freedom uh, stuff, and like motivating the troops and getting them all riled up. They don't have that. Whereas uh, Alicia Strand uh, and Damn it, remind me of her name. Lucy. Lucy. Uh, I should write these things down right on the monitor. I got a marker right here. I'm going to write it on the <laughs> Just write it. You'll never forget it then. Yep. <laughs> I got a Sharpie. I could write it on the marker. That's no problem. <laughs> um, so they are properly motivated individuals. They're angry. They're, uh, they're, they're vengeful. Right? Mm-hmm. Alicia's brother just died. Uh, we don't, we assume, well, I don't even know if we can assume uh, Alicia thinks her mother is dead. I have no idea. I assume she thinks her mother is dead. I don't think her mother is dead, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, these people are properly motivated. They're they're in this all the way. They're all in, whereas uh, the vultures are like, you know, I could do this firefight thing, or I could, you know, I got a camper a couple of miles that way, and uh, somebody's making hot dogs because uh, I can smell them, and I know there's a cooler full of beer. <laughs> right. I just, all I have to do is leave here and I got hot dogs and beer. If I stay here, there's a firefight. Right. Like that. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. Uh, but for me, it, it didn't work out so well, but I'll, I'll allow it. You know what I did like about this scene though, is when Morgan decides to save Charlie, who's 
basically the enemy. I mean, maybe not so much to him, but she's certainly the enemy when it comes to Alicia Strand and, and Lucy after what she did. But to have Morgan, uh, you know, pull Charlie out of the fight there and bring bring her with them, I felt that I, that seemed consistent with how he's been lately. Oh, yeah. And and I liked it. I think that was that was a really good scene. And what he said to her at one point is that when she, I think when she questions why he did it, he says, well, because someone has to stop this. It has to stop somewhere. And sure, you killed Nick and I kind of liked him, you know, and he had great hair and was, was sort of awesome in every other way. But but, you know, we got to stop this somewhere. And if if not killing you or if saving you means that this can bring about the end of this conflict, then I'm going to do that. And that's been Morgan's philosophy since he moved over this, to this show. And at least he's staying consistent. That's I, true. I think. Yeah, I, I, I believe that as well. So do you want to talk? I mean, I, I don't have a lot of specific thoughts on sort of the scenes and the rest of this, ep- this episode, but I do have uh, a number of points. I think about how the whole thing in a way felt a little, a little awkward to me um, and, and how the before and the after timelines are not really doing it for me anymore. I think they've gone on for too long. You know, I remember when we started covering uh, or when season four started and we did a podcast about episode one, maybe it was in episode one or two. I asked you, how long do you think it's going to be before these timelines merge? And your answer was, oh, it's just going to be two or three episodes max. They're going to bring it together and then we're going to get a consistent story. Well, oh, I he- didn't say that at all. I, I don't believe that at all. I thought I was uh, I thought I had said that it was going to take the whole half a season. Well, I'm lying. Of, of course I said that. Okay. <laughs> now, now I don't believe that anymore. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I'm not misremembering and I hope both of us aren't misremembering, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you said it'll be quick. It'll be done. They'll merge. Everything will be fine. Um, well, they haven't done that. And here we are at episode seven and the timelines haven't merged yet. Although I guess they're getting a little bit closer and the expectation is we will get the resolution next week in the mid season finale. But man, I didn't believe you. Or, or, or I didn't feel the same way as you when you said that it'll be two or three episodes. I'm like, oh, I hope this goes on for a long time because I think this is a really cool storytelling dynamic. I don't feel that way anymore. Okay, so we're both idiots. That's not new. <laughs> no, that's not new. But I don't feel that way anymore because it's become tedious. It's become frustrating. They're not, I mean, they're doing things that are it feels like they're purposefully withholding information from us that would make the story more compelling and they're purposely withholding this stuff and it's sort of just making it annoying um, yeah it's gone on long enough let's wrap this up like i At least started by the next episode well yeah they better wrap it up by the next episode but i started to feel this way last week i'm like okay it's still all right but it's it's just getting a little bit awkward but this episode really it really started to to bother me a lot more so um here's here's sort of some of the things i'm thinking about um so at the end of this episode nick and alicia are stuck in a car right well we know they survive and get out of that situation but we don't know how and i don't find it compelling really anymore to to find that out because well we know they get out somehow uh, we know pretty much everybody else survives, you know, whatever the vultures are about to do to the baseball diamond, including Ennis, who yep. I feel like is 
the weirdest villain at this point, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, we know even that Mel uh, survives. We know that the diamond does indeed fall because we saw that at the the end of this episode when they drive in and it becomes overrun with zombies, uh, who incidentally all look, you know, burned out, which I oh, thought yeah, was really they're, cool. They're totally burnt uh, husks. Yeah, which I thought was cool. But then that kind of tells us, well, they don't manage to put that fire out and all the zombies light on fire. So that's kind of, you know, something we know now and can look forward to seeing, I guess. Um <laughs> And so I'm wondering, like, all right, they've kind of telegraphed all this stuff, and it's more than just telegraphing, because they've basically said, here's, you know, where we end up, and we're showing you how we got there, and I'm just no longer interested in the details of how we got there. I feel like I just want to see what happens next, after all of this, so... Let me, uh, let me postulate this. Mm Mm-hmm. What if they don't tell you? What if they've now given us enough information to put everything together and they don't do the before anymore? Everything is just the after from this point forward. We find out at, during the after what happens to uh, uh, what happens to Madison and we find out uh, what happens in the, uh, in the stadium through the after storyline and we never, ever go back to the before timeline i don't believe for a second that's what's going to happen i i think next episode is going to be primarily in the before and we're going to see the rest of this assault on the diamond we're going to see the zombies on fire we're going to see how nick and alicia survive being stuck in that car i think they're just going to show us all that which i'm finding which which i just feel like get on with it already and even though it could be really exciting and i didn't dislike this episode but it kind of felt a little bit like spinning wheels because we sort of know where it's it's going. And uh, what used to be a compelling way to tell this story for me doesn't feel quite the same anymore. I'm just sort of anxious to get on with it now. So maybe that's just me, but it made the before-after timeline idea stop working entirely on me in this episode. So, right. So I think that, you know... They're going to resolve it just in time for me to not get super annoyed with it. And uh, that better be next week, because if it goes on after that, then I'm going to be super annoyed. Okay. So you're right on the cusp. I'm right on the cusp. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully they they get you off that ledge. Without having to push you over it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it, do, I do. Does it bother you at all in the same way? Or, or like, do you think most people are like, you know what? This is kind of cool. No matter what happens, it's going to be awesome to see how they get out of this situation, even though the stakes have kind of been removed a little bit. Uh, I don't think I feel as strongly as you. I can understand your point, but I don't think that uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Okay. And And I'm not sure about most people. Right. I've never had my pulse, my finger on the pulse of most people. <laughs> if I did, I'd probably write a meme of some kind and spin it into dollars. Oh, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> well, I did make uh, three notes here on what they might be counting on for keeping the audience engaged. Number right. one, the fate of Madison. She's not in the after timeline, so we don't know what happens to her in the before timeline. We don't right. know if she's dead, if she's captured, if she's hiding somewhere or what happened to her. So there's that. I mean, and that admittedly is a big thing, right? Cause she's supposed to be the main character of this show. 
Uh, yeah, we definitely don't know what's happened to her, and they're holding that in their back pockets, right? For sure. So that's that's the biggest thing I think that they're they're hoping keeps people engaged. The other one, which whether they you know whether the showrunners and the writers intended it or even realized it, is the fate of John Dory. He's shot. He's not better yet, and you know I know that's in the um, that's in the after timeline, but. Still, we don't have an answer to what's going to happen to him. And I do find that compelling because, as everybody knows, we don't want to see him die. Well, I how I feel about that is that he better not fucking die. <laughs> well, that, yeah. That's it. I agree. I don't want him to die either. I don't, I don't care about Madison. Madison dead, live, don't care at this point. John Dory better live. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you uh, to a certain extent. I, I, I do care a little bit of whether Madison lives or dies. Uh, I think she's been really good this season and I don't want to see her die, but I think it could be enormously emotionally impactful if she does. So that could be good TV. Right. Um, well, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Laura will die and then John Dory will be, uh, Madison's love interest. I or strands. I mean, he could go both ways. I don't care, but do you think that's going to happen that Laura will die and then he'll, uh, stick around and become a love interest? Um, I don't know. I don't think Laura slash Naomi, I think if anyone, if there's a good chance anyone's going to die, she's actually high on the list. Uh, but I don't think that that opens up John to being a love interest for Madison. That doesn't feel right at all to me. <laughs> okay. I don't Strand? know. Strand? What's Strand? Oh, Strand, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. Why not? But he's got Cole. Cole's probably going to die That's next true. Year, he's probably not. Uh... All right. Maybe Alicia. Maybe it's going to be like a, a August, June romance. <laughs> maybe it's not like may december kind of thing it's like august june okay whatever you say that leads next well into though my my third uh sort of point of things that we don't understand yet and that is i don't think anyways why exactly naomi is with the vultures in the after at the end there right uh, yep we don't know the details of, of how that happened yet so we know that it's not what we think true because she said that to Alicia. No, don't shoot me. I'm not with them. It's not what you think. Yeah. So I don't know what I think, So, but it's not that. Uh, but but those three things, the fate of Madison, the fate of John Dory, and what the hell is up with Naomi and the Vultures. Those are the three things that I can think of, the three big things that we don't really know yet. And I think what the show is counting on revealing next week, and hopefully it's compelling. Yeah. Because... They better... Well, yeah, they better because the rest of this is starting to become less and less compelling as we go on. And if I was feeling this way like two or three episodes ago, I would be really worried. But we only have one more until the break, so I can come to terms with it a little bit. I think uh, I think they might we might be in for a great resolution of it all next week, and that's a good thing. Let's hope. Okay. Um, other things about this episode that felt awkward to me. Uh, Mel, Mel as the leader of the vultures and, um, you know, they, they, they introduce him as this fancy dressing guy who you feel like is going to be the main villain of this season or the first half of this season. But then he kind of ends up being sort of a, a wishy-washy kind of guy. He kind of fizzles out. He, he fizzles out, exactly. He, there's not much to him. And it turns out, it looks like, that Ennis 
is going to be the actual sort of real evil bad guy. But this is a character who has very little screen time. And when he's on screen time, he barely has a line. Like even in this episode, did you notice when, when they pull up at the end and they release all the zombies and they light the place on fire? Like he gets out of the truck, doesn't say anything. He whistles. He does some waving. He snaps his fingers, doesn't have any lines. And I think that's so weird. It's this character that we we only know peripherally, but yeah. we're supposed to believe he's the one that's like bringing the terror down on this place. Yeah, well, that, that's that's true. But that's okay. You know, people in the background pulling the strings. This is what uh, Wizard of Oz was all about. Sorry, spoilers for <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Uh, you know, the guy behind the curtain is pulling the strings for the the you know the great and terrible Oz. Yeah. Uh, so. That's pretty normal. I mean, this guy is what we needed Jar Jar Binks to be, right? <laughs> we needed Jar Jar Binks to be the Phantom Menace, the guy behind the guy pulling all the strings. But shut the fuck up, dude. Like, come on. Yeah. This I, is what we needed out of Jar Jar. We didn't get this out of Jar Jar, and Lucas messed the whole thing up, but this is what we needed. I would have preferred just shut the hell up and not be a part of anything, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At least shut up. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I just think that's kind of weird. It, you, you're supposed to, the audience is supposed to really hate the villain, right? Um, I don't know. That's kind of, that's so 1990s. Okay. You know, where the, the bad guys were so evil, you just wanted to spit on them and they always, always raped people. Did you notice that in the 90s? If you're a bad guy, you're a rapist. What? Anyway, that's not uh, nice. Watch, that's not good at all. No, it's not. Watch movies. Bad guy's always a rapist in the 90s. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, don't ask me to back that up with facts at this point. Uh, <laughs> it's just a thing. I think of any. It's just something I'm saying. I <laughs> uh, so what was I talking about? Bad guys somehow? Yeah. And, and being my train ultimate super evil. Yeah, bad guys were so like like the epitome of evil, and the good guys were pure as the driven snow. Right, right. We don't get that anymore. Bad guys are just like these guys that are doing things to survive, and from a certain point of view, they're doing good. Well, we've been through right? that ad nauseum yeah. with Negan, right? If we if we sort of seen how he did things from his perspective from the beginning, then maybe we'd feel different about him. But Ennis, we yeah. don't know enough about to feel anything for him, though. Like. Nick was so enraged when he when he found Ennis in the after that he didn't even stop to think he immediately killed him, beat him to death. But we don't understand as, why as the audience. And it didn't bother me at the time. But now I'm like, OK, now Ennis is like the the catalyst to all of this. And we still don't know anything about this guy. And but is this why Nick hated him so much? Because he drove up with a bunch of trucks full of zombies like it makes me feel like Madison must be dead, and Nick blames Ennis directly for it. Right. But I don't know, because who knows yet? <laughs> who knows? Maybe he's just the guy that directs the zombie delivery guys. Zombie FedEx. Sure. But that that's, that's what I mean. Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's like, that doesn't mean Nick would be on a murderous rampage after this guy. It's just we don't know anything, and and this is goes back to my frustration of they're showing us things that are supposed to be meaningful, but they're not. And retroactively meaningful doesn't always work. I hope it does, but it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. Well, sure. Sometimes it works. I can't think of an example of that either, but sometimes that would work. 
<laughs> no, I agree. It might. And I will eat my hat next week if if this all works out perfectly. Just right now, I'm not so sure. Yeah, like a memento. Like nothing made sense at the end of that movie, which happened at the beginning of the movie. Uh, but yeah. then by the big by the end of the movie slash beginning, everything made sense. I guess you know, two hour movie is different than uh, say eight eight hours of TV that we're supposed to maintain. Yeah, but we're smart enough to be able to think in uh, reverse chronological order to piece things together. Are we, and Jason? Pretty, Are uh, we? Well, <laughs> as a species, I would think so. <laughs> As individuals, probably not. Probably not. All right. Well, right? but collectively, we could put this shit together. Okay, that's why we do this because we're a collective here at the podcast, yeah. and we can all we help are. each other. Um, better together. Better together. I've been talking a lot. Do you, should I just keep going, or do you have anything you want to chime in with? Uh, well, I could just uh, interject a, a quick thought uh, that uh, most of the cars in this episode seem to be bulletproof, which is complete horseshit. Yeah, cars aren't even close to bulletproof, like normal no, cars. No, they were shooting and the, the bullets were like uh, clinking into like the panels of the cars and they weren't coming out the other side and people were like hiding, hiding behind them from assault rifles. I mean, sure, an assault rifle can't go through an engine block, but it can go through a friggin' fender. I can tell you that much. But you know what? That's a thing. Like, that's a thing on TV. People hide behind cars all the time to escape oh, yeah. gunfire. I don't know if you know this, but walls are not bulletproof. The worst part about, you know what the worst part about that is? What? If I was, you know, God forbid, ever in a situation where I had to take cover from gunfire, the first thing I would probably do is dive behind a car because I've seen it done on movies so many times. And as be, long as you're, you got the engine block between you and them, chances are uh, they won't shoot through the engine block. Now, mind you, there's usually a gap underneath the car, which is used for the tires to roll over things that are taller than a couple of inches. So that gap is pretty much just air. Like even the tires themselves, they're all just, it's just air, right? So cars, cars float on air. Yes, they do. But the Everyone engine block, that. if you could hide, like crawl yourself, you know, crawl into a little ball and then get, get between you and the, uh, get the engine block between you and the, and the firearm, there's a good chance. If it's a 50 cal, forget it. Like uh, that thing will fire through an engine block. No problem. So if you're taking fire, are you better off to just stay inside the car where you sort of have the protection of that stuff around you? No, drive away or run like a son oh. of a bitch. <laughs> drive don't, away. Don't, don't stay there. If you're inside the car, drive away. If you're outside the car, run away. Okay, fair and, enough. And, and, and zigzag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in a car that's running and you're in the driver's seat and have your foot on the gas and your hands on the wheel, drive away. <laughs> keep, keep doing that. Yeah, you're doing the right thing there. Okay, good, 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 but, good. But uh, yeah, hiding and hiding behind a wall, like a regular household wall, is, that it, I mean, it visually... It's cover. Like, they can't see where you are. I don't know if you know this, but most people can't see through walls. What? So, uh, visually, it's good cover, but it, they will not stop a bullet. Like, don't hide just behind the door jam, because uh, that's where I would shoot if I knew that somebody was hiding uh, behind the wall. I'd be like, oh, I just aim over here, and he's dead. Okay. <laughs> like, we've seen that in a TV show that I'm not going to mention, because I don't want to spoil anything. All right. But, uh, you know, hiding behind a wall is just as good as a smoke screen. Most people don't think smoke screens are very useful, but they're just as useful as walls. I'm telling you. Right. The, the bad guys can't see you. Right. And okay. that's the advantage of a smoke screen. That's the advantage of a wall. And that's it. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, back to the episode. So we have this part where um, Charlie comes back 
to the diamond after the vultures have left because the vultures had an accident on the road <laughs> on their way out. And she comes back and says, you have to come and help my friend Mel because he's hurt. And right. they go out and um, get Mel and bring him back in. And then eventually he just turns around and, and leaves anyways. And this again was something that just for me felt like weird, awkward storytelling to have them leave. And they're okay with that. And then she comes back and they bring him back and then he's a dick and he leaves again. And it felt like this was all just weird sort of plot machinations, machinations, I should say to, to like, just move some characters around and give Ennis the opportunity to sort of go rogue. If you know what I mean? It's like, right. Was the plan all along for them to leave and then Ennis to bring the zombies back? Or did he only decide to do that after Mel crashed his car? And then he was like, Oh, well, he's not the leader anymore. I'm going to go do what I want to do. Round up all these couple thousand zombies and take them back over there and overrun the place. That was always the plan. Because he said when he was when he was in the infirmary that uh, we got to get out of here. This place isn't safe. So he knew what was coming. They got to get the hell out of there. So was this all a ruse? Like, like no. I think it was all like the fact that he was picked up and having a couple of broken ribs or whatever. That was and having been brought back to the uh, to the stadium. That was just unlucky happenstance. And he wanted to get the F out of there. Well, I mean, lucky, unlucky for who? Unlucky for him because he knew this, yeah. this was coming back, but lucky for everyone living there. Uh, right. Lucky. Yeah, I guess so. But this is what I mean. Like the, the, this sequence of, they didn't take advantage of that luck, but whatever. The sequence of events though, are the vultures leave with a plan to bring back a whole bunch of zombies, but yep. Mel crashes his car Ennis takes yep. over, decides to do it anyways. Charlie coincidentally comes back to tell them that they had this crash. So they bring Mel in and he says, they're coming. Let's get the hell out of here. Like, why would he even, I mean, I guess he doesn't feel safe because he doesn't want to get stuck in there when the zombies are coming, but why not just let it happen? I feel like. Because he's inside there and that's the worst place to be. Because that's the, the, the plan is to uh, let let loose a bunch of zombies and set them on fire I mean, he's, as they're walking. He's injured, sure, but he left. Like, why? I don't know. It just it just all felt really weird and strange to me. He could have just left and not said anything. Um, his problem was, I guess, that he didn't take Charlie and they wouldn't let him take Charlie. And that was not good because he didn't want to leave her behind. But still. Right, because he killed her parents and he doesn't, didn't want to do that to her again. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't know. It, it was, I, I assume so. He said, her, you know, her parents died right in front of her, but I assume it was his fault. Yeah. And then he, she doesn't know, but I assume it's his fault. And then Madison is the one when they find injured Mel who convinces everyone else to bring him back, even though they're all saying this might be a trap. You know, this could be we don't know what's really going on here. And then like 20 minutes later, not even in, in the episode, Madison is the one who is sort of forcing him to leave. So like, which is it, Madison? Flip flop a rama here. I thought well, I've done that. Yeah, but you know, decide something and go, no, this is, this is a big mistake. I'm going to do something else. I guess, but I don't know. It's, it, it didn't work. It didn't work very well for me. I'm just sort of like, what is anyone doing here? It doesn't feel like I understand the motivations behind any of this. So no. And I think that's the biggest problem is that we've, we have plot and we have characters, but we have no 
concrete motivations for their actions. Yeah. We just, and I think that's the problem you're having is that they're moving pieces around without uh, the pieces wanting to move. It all felt very random, you know, just yeah. characters doing stuff for no apparent reason. Um, and, and like they, they just having that crash take place and have her walk back. It just, it didn't f- seem like it fit into anybody's plans. And so I didn't quite understand it. And then, um, once Mel does leave now, all of a sudden Nick and Alicia are the ones saying, you know, who, who didn't want to bring him in are now saying, well, you know, maybe we got to go out and make sure he's okay. And so they, they take a walkie to Charlie and say, radio him. And again, just flip-flopping. It's like, pick a side people. If you were, if you didn't want to bring him in in the first place, let him go. It'll be fine. You know, you don't need to go out and get him. So just yeah. the same, same thing. It was all really, really weird. Um, and then let's see, Nick and Alicia sitting there in the car at the end, not, not doing anything I felt was, was strange. They just kind of sat there and let themselves get surrounded by zombies. I didn't get that either. It, it felt oh, like an ex- there's all kinds of things that people just sitting around, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you were warned that an attack is coming and you reinforce all your walls, you have people staying up on the wall and you have uh, nobody leaving or coming in without express, you know, permission or, you know, my knowledge of it happening. And all of a sudden this friggin' ice cream truck comes rumbling out of the darkness and driving around in a big circle. Wouldn't you shoot the friggin' tires or at least take a couple of shots at the driver's seat? Well, like, why would you just let the truck do what it's doing? It's like, oh, they're just going for a drive. I can't imagine that that would be any harm to me whatsoever. I mean, sure, they can't see the actual uh, pitch falling out of the back. Uh, see, they don't know why it's doing what it's doing, but God damn it, it's doing something, and it's probably not good. I so know, but shoot it. That doesn't that doesn't bother me. You know, they they know the last time the vultures showed up, they just showed up and sat there. And I guess they should have known something was going to be different this time. But Madison is not the type to take the first shot, you know? She's not Han right. Solo. She doesn't shoot first. I would have given like 10 quatloos to whoever could take out that truck. It was, oh, you didn't watch Star Trek. You don't know what a quatloo is. I, Forget it. I've heard the word, but is that it, because it would have been- because you heard it from The Simpsons. Oh, maybe. A difficult shot? Would have been a difficult shot? It would have been a difficult shot, but a quatloo is just a form of- monetary system for when Kirk was fighting somebody and somebody said, I'll bet you 10 Quatloos that the human wins. Okay. So anyway, sorry, obscure reference that uh, you didn't get. And I probably fell fat, flat on my face with this joke. So. <laughs> and here I am. I'm still talking about it. You want to talk about it some more? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can look up Quatloo on the internet. <laughs> Why don't we save that for later? <laughs> okay. Um. Anyways. Uh. Yeah. Just well, the whole thing was, was really weird. A lot of setup and, a bunch of stuff that I didn't quite like I could follow it, but I didn't understand it. I'm like, why are we seeing this? What are they showing this to me for? You know, I don't understand why I care about this. Um, now, well, it simply boils down to the fact that any scene without John Dory is a wasted scene. I think you might be right. He's, (laughs) he spent the entire episode lying on his back in the back of Al's truck Doing nothing except slowly dying. And that doesn't work for me. He needs to be doing something else. Yeah. He needs to be slinging guns. He really does. This needs to be the John Dory show, man. If this isn't the John Dory show in the second half of 
season uh, four, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds like a good name for a show too. John Dory's show. It does. Well, before we finish things off here and I, I realize I've been all over the place, but uh, what can I, what can I tell you? It's just the way I feel about this one. We need to, I think, talk about Madison because there is some things here I liked about this. The first thing being the the way they kind of um, they the way they showed her tearing down that wooden dugout house that she built uh, yep. earlier in the season. She at one point she tells uh, Naomi that she's doing this basically for her children. Basically she tells her that she's been doing everything for her children and so on to build somewhere they can live and be safe and have a normal life. And she says that she's taking all this wood down to reinforce the walls. And I thought that was a really neat parallel to earlier on in the season where she's building this for her children to keep them safe. And now she's tearing it down for her children to keep them safe. And it's just a little thing I thought was kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's what the show was going for, but that's that's what I got from it. You know, she's sort of doing opposite things for the same end goal, or at least the way she saw it. But um, really, this, you know, they reinforced heavily in this episode that Madison is doing everything for her kids. And then I started to get the feeling that, you know what, they're really hammering this home for us. And if she does not survive this episode or the mid-season finale next week, it will go a long way to explaining why Nick and Alicia especially uh, are so kind of freaked out and out for revenge in in the after timeline. Well, that's why I think that Alicia thinks that Madison is dead because it still explains her motivations, but uh-huh. they're not going to kill off Madison. You don't think so? I mean, no, she's going to crawl out of the friggin' uh, burnt out dugout that she made a little secret cave for in there somehow. Uh, she, no, she's going to crawl out of here just fine, I think. I have a feeling that she's not going to survive. And I think that, don't forget, we have new showrunners this year. I feel like they might want to, um, they might want to reboot the show a little bit by cleaning out some of the old characters, even the big ones. They killed Nick already. Uh, they killed Mel. Um, we saw Mel die near the beginning, so he's dead already. Second time, now we've seen a character die in the after that's still alive, obviously, in the in the before. But I think Madison is going to be the one that they're going to surprise us with right at the end that I guess at this point people sort of see coming, but they could claim no one saw that coming. You know, you didn't really believe that we were going to do that. Um, And what hammered it home for me was we see some shots of Madison doing things after we've seen all this stuff in the episode and heard her talk about how she's trying to make a safe place for her children. We see her doing some things near the end, and then we get a voiceover of Alicia apologizing to her mother over the walkie-talkie and just for everything that's happened. That was the moment where I was like, oh, come on, this is it. They're they're telling us right here that Madison is dead by the end of next week. Well, you see, that's why I think they're faking this out. They made that little speech sound like a eulogy, right? They really did. <laughs> so that was a little too on the nose for me. It was a little too uh, ham-fisted uh, for me to take at face value. I think that maybe, you know, at the very most, 
that Alicia thinks that that's what that was. But I don't, I still can't believe for a second that Madison is actually dead and that they'll kill off Kim Dickens. I can't do it. You know, she's, she's top build. It's, uh, it's too big, uh, for them to do it secretly. Like when somebody else, you know, we've learned about big actors leaving shows just recently and it's big friggin' news. It's hard to keep that shit secret. I know, but they did it with Nick. Like no one saw that coming. Yeah. But as soon as it happened, we knew why, because he wanted to leave the show. I know, but arguably he's a bigger character than Madison on this show in terms of like fan favoriteness, favoritism, you know? I think maybe we got to look at dollar value, right? We got to look at paychecks. I think Kim Dickens probably making more money, and uh, I, yeah, I ha- I can't I can't believe for a second, and I'm having a hard time believing that you think that maybe they're going to kill her off. I'm a face value kind of guy sometimes, and I think they're telling us here. You may be right; they, they, it may be too obvious, but I think I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that they're. Yeah. I'm not so sure that they're going to go with the sort of subtlety of it all, like, and, and do a fake out. And I don't love, I don't like fake outs usually. I guess. Well, I don't think it's a fake out. We just well, don't know. And they're going to eventually reveal that, like, we, we didn't, uh, she didn't fall off and get, uh, there's a whole bunch of zombies eating blood and guts that turned out not to be hers. Yeah, right? fair enough. So that didn't happen. We just we're it's just an unknown. It's a it's a straight in your face unknown and I think it's going to fall on the side of she's fine. Okay. Well, and you think that that might not happen. I think that that might not happen. I believe there are two camps out there in the world on the internet. One camp that is like on sort of on your side that uh well not really your side, but one camp that thinks Madison and Kim Dickens is great and they don't want to see her leave. And they'll be very upset if she's dead. And the other camp that thinks that, you know what? It's time for her to go. We've got more interesting characters on the show now. She's been around for four years. Um, You know, I've heard the word insufferable be thrown around. I don't agree with that. But there are some people out there that don't enjoy watching her anymore and are ready for her to die. Um, I'm not in that camp either. I actually don't want them to kill off Madison because I still think she's pretty good and Kim Dickens is is great at what she does so uh yeah I don't want her to die but I have a feeling that they might be about to do it right. and I don't, I don't know I think, why <laughs> I, I think insufferable is a great word well I do know I will why. not suffer that anymore <laughs> yeah exactly it's awesome it's almost yeah. as good almost as good as uh ad nauseum yeah until well, it makes you sick yeah <laughs> And we've been talking about this ad nauseum. No. The only other thing is, as Alicia is finishing her little voiceover eulogy, the way the camera focuses tight up on Madison's face, and you know the gate opens in front of hers because you can see the fire kind of reflecting off her face. It turns kind of orange and yellow and probably reflects in her eyes. And I don't know. I just sort of thought that's that's another... It it just feels like they're... They're burning it down, you know, and uh, she's not going to be part of it anymore. So we will have to see. We only have one more episode, and I think most of these questions will be answered. Yeah, next episode we'll find out when you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, One other thing, is it just me or was Strand totally useless in this episode? Was Strand in this episode? I'm not sure. He was, but you know what he did? He hammered some boards onto the gate, and then someone came and said, you got to open the gate. 
and then That's someone right. and then he hammered some more boards on the gate and someone came and said hey you got to open the gate and then he hammered yeah, some that more reminded boards. me that uh <laughs> coleman domingo has never held a hammer before in his life oh my god well and all these people <laughs> i this is getting stupid but all these people do is hammer stuff or crowbar stuff <laughs> yeah. there's no other tools involved they just hammer they hammer wood to metal they hammer metal to plastic they hammer wood to other wood they take a crowbar and take it down take it apart and then hammer it together again i they need yeah. to vary their tool usage a little bit yeah you think they'd have a reciprocating saw or uh, a brad nailer of some kind anything do you know what do you know what either of those are well i know what they are yeah Okay, good. They're, they're tools. <laughs> what is a reciprocating saw? It's a saw that reciprocates. That that's that one that looks like a looks like a gun that has the blade sticking at the end that goes back and forth. It goes back and, and forth. You use it yeah. to rip down walls and stuff. Yeah, I. That's uh, a my dad saw. has one of those. I've, I've yeah, they're used great. It. I've always wanted one. I've never had a, a big enough destruction job that I needed to buy one, but I look forward to the day that I do. I know what a circular saw is. I know what a miter saw is. I've used all those so. Oh, good. I'm, Brad I'm, Nailer is just an air gun that uh, shoots nails. So you, little tiny nails, like uh, okay, uh, not like a nailer, like a, a pneumatic nailer that you would put down a roof with, but just like a tiny little uh, finishing nails to hold things. All right. Well, that's nice. I didn't know that, but uh, I'm a pretty handy guy. So good. Ish. Anyways, I, can... I only mention those tools because those are actually specifically two tools that I do not own that someday I want to own. You're gonna have to get those. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I have a hammer. Good for you. Well, so does, so, does, so does Strand, and I bet you you know how to use it better than he does. Oh, my God. He was choked up too far in the hammer. He was too tentative. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. Yeah. Well, all right. So uh, there's a point at which in this episode, Alicia sli- slices a walker just across the face, and it goes down. Didn't really understand yeah. that. Kinda. That's because a lot of people have brains in their faces. Oh, obviously. I got brains yeah. somewhere. Definitely in my face. Mine's uh, held behind at least three inches of thick skull. Three inches. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the size of a walnut, but it's really well protected. <laughs> that's good, man. That's what you want, right? Yeah, it is. Well, that I thought that was dumb where she just slashes it across the face and it's dead. That made no sense. Um, and I think that's all I've got. So, yeah, this episode was a big ball of confusion for me and... And maybe my opinion is a little bit tainted because I feel like we are, there's just no context for what's happening anymore. And that's, and you know what it is? Maybe the lack of context is fine when the timelines are farther apart. Maybe that's what it is, right? You get a little bit here and a little bit there, and you know that Nick kills this guy, and you know that he must have done something in the past to really piss him off. But now we're at a point where we're kind of seeing these things happen, and they're not coming together fast enough, and that's what's bothering me. Oh, that reminds me of how a friend of mine's mother used to read mystery novels. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on air, but I think I might probably mention it to you before. Uh, Scott's mom. I'm just going to blurt it out. <laughs> Good old Scott. She she got the good old Scott. She was a voracious reader, but she would read a mystery novel. She'd read the first chapter and go, man, I want to know how this turns out. And then she'd read the last chapter and she'd be like, what the hell is that? And she'd read the second chapter and go, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And then she'd read the second last chapter. And I swear to God, this is how she read mystery novels. She'd read them from the outside to the middle. And meet in the middle. That seems bonkers. It, oh, she's a weird one in all kinds of ways. Wonderful lady, super smart, but just 
can't read a book from beginning to end <laughs> to save her life. So this is kind of what we're getting, right? We're getting, we got the first little bit in the before, and then we got the last little bit in the after, and then we're working our way to this weird kind of middle ground. We kind of we are. just need to, we, and eventually we'll get the whole goddamn story. Yeah, we kind of are. We're working our way to the middle. That's a weird way of doing it. I, and I mean, it can work. We've seen this work before, but I think it's taken too long. So that's it. Um, so it sounds like I really disliked this episode and, and I can't say that I really disliked it, but the whole thing was frustrating and confusing. Um, but some of it was okay. <laughs> that's, that's the best I can, I can say about it. I still think season four of this show has been pretty solid so far. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably more of a binge worthy season. And more and more TV is starting to be like that. I think a lot of shows are, are, I think almost more appropriate, appropriate to binge than watch week to week. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point. And I think that, uh, it's a valid point that we missed a week, right? Yeah. I found that, uh, a little harder to take than I thought I would have. A little jarring. Because when it's a little jarring and watching this episode, I think I would have liked it more. I did, I did like it most of all. It was kind of meh and things didn't kind of make sense and it was kind of wishy-washy here and there. But uh, I think I would have liked it more if we hadn't have skipped a week. Yeah, it could have helped. But I think I would have liked it much more if we could have watched it, you know, on Monday night after the Sunday night of John Dory being shot. Or, you know, make yeah. it a double episode with the John Dory and then this one. It it just would have played better. Um, So... You know, I'm get, I'm starting to get the feeling that the the traditional or people who are working on traditionally broadcast shows that are one episode per week, seven days in between, are starting to make shows that that are better suited to the release all at once and let people watch them back to back to back model. Yeah, and you're starting to feel that a little bit on these traditional broadcast shows, so. I don't know. I mean, what can you do? They're they're sort of the way the way the industry is going right now, uh, with Netflix releasing twelve episodes of something all at once, and Amazon doing the same thing. I guess some people can't help but be influenced, or maybe these you know these writers and creators came from another job where they released everything all at once, and so that's well, kind of what they're used to. We've been leaning towards this for a while, right? It's kind of started. Well, I don't know if it started, but I started paying attention to this kind of thing with twenty four and Lost. Mm -hmm. uh, those shows were very serialized where the plot did not uh, go away at the end of the episode. Like uh, even watching one of my favorite shows of all time, West Wing. I loved that show, but every week was, whoa, boy, what what are these fine folks going to get up to this week? Mm -hmm. And you really had no idea. And they'd reference things, reference things that were important to the plot that never happened on the show. And you didn't know that unless you watched all the episodes, but they just kept referencing things that didn't actually happen plot-wise. It was weird, uh -huh. but uh, you had to get used to that kind of thing. But 24 was like the epitome of this. It was one story that was, uh, that was uh, one story that was just you know going from week to week, and it was in real time, right? Which was another kind of a novelty. Sure, uh, you know, Lost was like that, uh, you know, to a point they had multiple plots that kind of uh, uh, cycled over time. Sure. And it changed over time. But uh, shows like this, uh, they're really building it, uh, especially The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. They build it in the half seasons, 
right? They oh, have yeah. the eight episodes from beginning to uh, the end of the half season, and then they take a break. But the plot also takes a break. Right? Yeah, they leave yeah, us yeah. with a cliffhanger, or they leave us with uh, everything wrapped up, or both, and then they pick it up again. So this show, especially, has been uh, is is serialized, where you're you're watching the show. It's like, whoa, just w- tune in next week when we'll find out if the planet is saved by Doctor Amazing and his halfwit. <laughs> Sidekick, <laughs> hey, Doctor Amazing, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're absolutely right. These shows, this show is structured, and just like The Walking Dead, its sister show, are half seasons, not episode sort of to episode, right? Yeah. So I I just feel like it feels more than ever like you need to watch the whole half season all at once, or over a couple of nights, maybe you know, not over seven or eight weeks of time. So. Who knows? We only have one more, and it's next week, and then it'll all come together, and we can all sit down and binge watch it if we want to. So Yeah, someday I will. Someday I will. Okay. Uh, I have two questions. All right, lay them on me. Okay, so the first question is, uh, this show is uh, so far pretty good at not killing little girls. We had a chance. We didn't kill her. It's true. We did not kill Charlie this week. That's right. If Carol was there, Charlie would be a dead person. I really- If Rick was there, Charlie would be a dead person. I think you you might be right, yeah. And the second one was, uh, we found out this episode that Charlie definitively sabotaged the crops. Did we know that before? Um, wait a minute. We did? We did. I missed that. Explain. Um, okay. So I don't remember exactly where it was, but I think the, uh, you know, they, I can't show my work. It's in there. I swear to God. Let me, (laughs) let me quickly rewatch the episode. (laughs) Right. I'll be here for 45 minutes. So I guess from your reaction that we didn't know that before, uh, you know, damn it. I wish I would have made a note of the actual place or line or something, but I'm pretty sure we learned that uh, Charlie definitively sabotaged the crops. All right. Help us out, people. Um, I didn't catch that, but if it's a thing, then I, I don't know why they're so forgiving to her, right? When she comes back. No, they should have shot her right in the face, just like the other show would have done. <laughs> just they need a Carol, man. They need a Carol, <laughs> or a Rick, or anybody really, or anybody. Like, this show's not as hard on little girls, but the other one, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, if if that is true, I have this bad feeling it's not going to mean anything because I think I think next week is going to be an action heavy episode, mostly surrounding what happens at. The diamond, because we already know what happens after the diamond. Yeah. So it's just going to be this middle bit of this kind of big battle with the zombies at the diamond. Madison's going to die. Charlie's going to run away on her own. And that's it. Season, mid-season finale. That's amazing. None of what you said is true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll find out next week, you jerk. (laughs) I don't think anything of what you just said will come true. All right. Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's wait until next Monday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Is that all you got? Anything else? We'll do. That's it. That was my two questions. All right. Very good. We will do some listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay. So we do have some reactions, as I said, near the top to, to this episode and some, some comments from everybody. And then we've got a whole bunch uh, about Rick leaving the walking dead or Andrew Lincoln leaving the walking dead, which I want to get to after. So let's start. Or both. 
Uh, what? Or both, yeah. Or both. Rick was going to leave and Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, I guess so, if you look at it that you, way. You actually said in the last episode that he might not. Rick might be around. Andrew Lincoln, gone. Rick, maybe not. Well, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think necessarily <laughs> he's going to die. I mean, I kind of do, to be honest. But we'll get to that in a minute. Dawn in Wisconsin writes, holy crap, did you see the more realistic firearm effects than in the main show? I hope that makes you happy, Jason. It does. If only they could shoot through cars. It would have been perfect. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, I did notice that every time Madison holds a weapon, she's got her finger wrapped around the trigger. So she's not very good trigger discipline. Uh, yeah, she's not fucking around either. I guess she's not fucking around, yeah. She's got a mini grenade launcher on the bottom of her uh, rifle. And no. damn it, if she didn't use it. That was Alicia. Uh, I, I, Alicia, uh, that's what I meant. I said Sorry. Madison. She always has you her did. finger on the trigger. I don't know about Alicia. Oh, yeah. Madison has uh, poor, very poor trigger discipline you but think she'd learn to be honest alicia probably has her finger on that trigger too the way she's been yeah. acting lately well you shoot yourself in the foot a couple of times or maybe you shoot somebody by accident like three or four times uh you're gonna learn you're gonna have so take your finger off that trigger unless you mean to pull it <laughs> yeah i suppose that's <laughs> you shoot yourself in the foot you're gonna think twice next time before holding on to that trigger oh well uh, okay, A- Adam in Wisconsin writes, holy crap, did you see how every walker that came out of the truck stayed on its feet during the ride? Not one was on the floor of the truck. The walkers in this show have better balance than I do. Oh my God, have you ever ridden in the back of a truck and stood up? Uh, well, no, I've ridden on buses and subways and stuff standing up and it's, I've, I've, you know, been close to falling down. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would try and stay standing up, but maybe they all got up after the trucks stopped because there was a couple of moments there where their trucks were stopped. I guess so. You know, they, they probably were like, oh, we're here now. We can get up and do our thing. It would have been more fun if they didn't put down ramps. All the zombies flopping over on each other and having to get up. and <laughs> That would have been much more entertaining. Well, comical for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody out as they pile on top. <laughs> Why would the zombies get out of the truck? Uh, and why would they go straight? Attracted to the fire. The truck? Attracted to the fire. They didn't start the fire till after. Are you sure? I am sure. All the zombies got out of the truck, and then they started the fire. Well, then I guess they all turned around and were like, hey, fire, let's go over to that. No, they were all walking towards right where they were pointed. I just thought it was odd. I thought maybe the truck that uh, laid down all the, the pitch that was going to be on fire or uh, it wasn't gasoline. I'd probably oil. Maybe they had a big oil tanks. Yeah, they were they were soaked in oil. They made a point of mentioning that too. Okay, so uh, when they all got out of the truck, they all just kind of went straight ahead. I thought that truck that was uh, spewing out the oil would probably have uh, you know ACDC black and back in black playing mm-hmm. because that's what you would play in the zombie apocalypse to attract zombies. We've established that. Yeah, I was I assumed that that's what was going to happen, but no, all the zombies were a good little undead and they just uh kept walking towards what they intended them to walk towards well they didn't fall down on the ride and they knew what to do when they got there so they're just following orders they're the smartest zombies ever and when from new zealand uh wrote about how she felt um about this episode and she says frustrated why did they send mal with the just in case car when they changed their minds, why didn't they just radio him to come back? Why did Nick and Alicia leave their first vehicle out there when they picked up Mal? When they arrived back at the stadium, why did they just sit there waiting for the Zeds to surround them? In the after timeline, why would you blow up a medical supplies truck instead of just shooting the tires? Why would you blast or why would you bust into a stadium you know is full of zombies? What the hell's with Naomi's hair? So there's a lot of questions there. (laughs) (laughs) Big, important questions. Well. Frustrating questions. Especially that last one. What the hell is with Naomi's hair? But 
Yeah, this is kind of what I'm getting at. There's a lot of weirdness in this episode that I just feel like wasn't explained very well. And I'm clearly not the only person feeling that way. Yeah. And a quick pro tip. If you really want someone to feel stupid and awkward, walk up to them and ask them, is that your real hair? (laughs) It's not really a bad thing on the face of it, but uh, it's, it's effective. You will make someone feel awkward. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Melissa on our Facebook page wrote, this episode felt a little like filler. Wish there was more John and Morgan. How cool would it be to see zombie Madison in the stadium? Seems like they were setting up to have her die to save the kids, which would explain why they're so screwed up. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I feel. She's going to die. Explains why Alicia is so screwed up and why Nick was so pissed off at Enos. <laughs> I know it's funny. <laughs> and I'm just going to move on. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I kind of hooked on, you know, on a certain level now that we've talked about it so much, uh, on a certain level, I hope that Madison is dead, but she's not going to be. Okay. So. Uh, well, again, we're going to have to wait and, and find out, but I, I don't think, I don't think I'm the only person that feels like they're setting this up. No. And I don't think that you're an idiot for thinking that. I just, I'm saying I, I don't, I don't think that way. All right. Uh, Sally on the internet writes, I really hope Naomi is desperate to save JD because she still loves him and not just to pay him back for saving her life. I think it is a little bit of both, but honestly, Naomi has shown herself to choose the road over staying with someone. But I think in this case, she sees the error of her ways. I'd really, really, really love to see a couple in love and trying to exist in this world. Uh, maybe she's just saving him because that's what she does. Well, she tries to save everybody. And, well, it hasn't worked out. I mean, she tried to save her daughter, as she told us, and that didn't work out. Yeah. And then I think she she wasn't on a saving people kick for a while, because she didn't want to stay with John, even though he professed his love for her in the most romantic way possible. Yeah. And she left anyways. And now I think as Sally says, maybe she saw the error in that and she's genuinely trying to save him because she realizes he is a fantastic dude and she actually is in love with him. And that's what I want to see too. Well, yeah. Hopefully she just doesn't realize that uh, he's the best thing that ever happened to her and that she should hang on to him for, uh, for dear life. Hopefully she does realize this. Hopefully she does realize this. Yeah. And that by saving him, she will ultimately save herself. And the show. (laughs) (laughs) The show. No, ultimately herself. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Thank you, Sally. Graham in Tuscaloosa writes, If Ennis caused this catastrophe of lighting hundreds of zombies on fire, which eventually overran the stadium, how the hell would Charlie blame Nick for killing him and then kill Nick? This is getting to be as wonky as the Star Wars prequels. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. No, that's that's crazy. Nothing is as wonky as the Star Wars prequels. Um, uh, I did reference Jar Jar, though. Yeah, that's Kinda true. Makes me scared a little bit. He's a bit wonky. Um, but what Graham is saying is that how um, if Ennis did all this, why would Charlie blame Nick for being so pissed off that he wants to kill Ennis that badly? And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that holds water because just because Ennis did something bad, really bad, doesn't mean that Charlie is going to side with the victim of Ennis's crimes. 
basically, right? If she has a strong attachment to him, then, yeah. you know, him doing something evil or bad isn't necessarily going to make her lose that attachment is, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah, it could. I don't know. But I'm... I, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I don't know anything about NS. I feel like he's just been this random character that was we're supposed to hate for some reason. But all we've seen him do is act like a dick. And sure, that's bad. But, you know, I feel like there could be worse things. Yeah. I mean, I see people acting like a dick on the roads every day, every single day. Right. And you don't, don't want to. I don't murder them. That's right. You don't even think about murdering them usually, right? I don't know about that, <laughs> but I think the important fact is that I don't actually murder them. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Very important. <laughs> they don't have thought police yet, but uh, it's actions that are illegal. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> Thank God. True, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, we have a call now from Lee. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Lee in St. Catharines, and I got a couple things I want to go through with you guys. Um, first, you guys were talking about Andrew Lincoln leaving The Walking Dead, and I think if he does, that will be the start of the end, personally. But I just read a report last night that they actually are going to recast him. Um, they've narrowed it down to two different actors. Um, it's between Ed O'Neill and John Goodman. So I'm sure Jason will be really happy that one of those two fine actors will uh, take his place. Um, I'm also curious, you guys used to do ratings. You haven't done it uh, for this season of Fear at all. And I'm curious if it got better with Morgan transitioning over. Uh, it seemed like a good idea. I wonder if it actually did work. All right. Uh, thanks, Lee. I'm going to stop you there. First of all, recasting <laughs> Rick with... Um, <laughs> Ed O'Neill or John Goodman? I, okay, so either of those actors are a good choice. I, I, Personally, I well, I don't know if they would replace Rick, but I would like to see both of them on the show. Sure. Uh, both are great actors, and they could bring a lot to the show, I think. Ed O'Neill, I think, is under, underappreciated. He has been for uh, years, although... He, he has. He was in a show after Married with Children. He was in a show, uh, they rebooted Dragnet. Yeah. I don't know if you know, know knew that, but uh, they rebooted Dragnet with Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill was playing Friday, I think is uh, was the character's name. I'm not sure who's who, but he was a straight man, uh-huh. and he played it absolutely dead straight. Yeah. Not comedic straight, but just dead straight dramatic actor, and he was doing a brilliant job. Yep. Then they canceled the friggin' show. Of course. And then he and ended then, up on Modern Family. Yeah. I think he's a very underappreciated actor. I think he's done great work. I I absolutely despised Married with Children. Hated that show from the outset all the way through its run. But I think that Ed O'Neill and uh, Katie Seagal and Christina Applegate, all three of them, solid fucking actors. That other guy that played the son... Screw him, whatever. <laughs> he didn't, his career just kind of fizzled out right after that. But those three actors, I think, are actually really good, solid actors uh, throughout their careers. Ed O'Neill, underappreciated. I think he would be a benefit to this show. Well, let's and John get- Goodman, oh my God, he's too big for the show. You know, not physically. Uh, ouch. I'm uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I mean, we're all getting bigger. It's, oh, yeah. Just, it's, you know, the, the, the march of time mm-hmm. and the march of hamburgers. <laughs> they have to keep marching into my mouth. I don't know what happens. I just can't stop it. Yes, <laughs> but he his uh, his career. He's just he's too much of a name for this show. I think. I think uh, it would overshadow this show if he came on uh, as uh, as a regular. It might. It could. But you're right. Both solid actors. I completely agree with that. 
Uh, I also wanted to address Lee's second point there about the ratings. No, we haven't really been following them as much, but to give you an idea, and in case anyone was wondering, season four, episode one of Fear had 4.09 million, which was up a bunch from season three. In fact, I think that was the highest rated episode since early in season two. And uh, that's back when Fear was getting like five, six million for the duration of season one and the beginning of season two. And then it started to drop down. They were around the 3 million mark season. Um, three was kind of in there as well. And then season four started with 4.09 and it's dropped from there. Season four, episode six had 2.31 million and they've kind of been hovering around that two and a half million mark um, for most of, of season four. So you know, not too shabby, but certainly not uh, the massive numbers that Walking Dead gets. Um, yeah, more people than I can fit in my house, I can tell you that. 100%, yeah. So um, so that's that. Uh, I expect the mid-season finale to uptick a little bit, but I'd be surprised if it got up above that 4.09 million that the season premiere had. So we'll have to see. All right, Eric on the internet writes, I see this, this is regarding... Uh, Andrew Lincoln leaving. He says, I see this exactly like when Steve Carell left the office. It was totally unwatchable. All the other characters were exactly that other characters. Michael Scott was the show. Dwight Schrute was an amazing second fiddle, but when they started trying to make him the focus, it was just horrible or just terrible. I love the character of Daryl, but honestly, what can he show? He is a very simple character that, like you said, only spoke in three episodes of season eight. How can that be a leading character? Rick is the walking dead. Yeah. You know, and that, that fits right on that, uh, Shelley long, uh, Ron Howard, uh, time, you know, scale. <laughs> right. I mean, so that, that's up there. I think, uh, I don't know if that show was unwatchable. I did watch that, uh, the last little bit and it was very emotional when Steve Carell came back for the finale. Spoiler. But, uh, yes, it would, they had a parade of other actors come on the mm-hmm. show, right? They had Kathy Bates. They had Idris Elba for crying out loud was on the show. Yeah. I mean, how can you knock that? Having Idris Elba. He's on pretty good. For a He's good. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was, so they, they didn't cover it up. Uh, with a single actor or just try and ramp up other actors. They had a parade of, it was basically the love boat at that point, uh, you, you know, having actors come on uh, in order to, to keep the momentum going. You can't do that on The Walking Dead though. I mean, that, that really no, feels, you can't. that feels like a comedy thing to me, like a parade of actors coming on doing their thing because people are open to the idea. Oh, it's that, hey, look, it's that guy. Isn't it great? We've got Idris Elba in the office for two episodes. I mean, that's fantastic. Walking Dead, it's not going to work. Like, like they yeah. start cameoing Robert De Niro, and you're going to be like, "What? Where did that come from?" <laughs> you know. See, Robert De Niro, I don't think is his, uh, his as an actor. I don't think he's too big for this show. I think Robert De Niro on this show would work. John Goodman would just overshadow everything. Oh, well, <laughs> I think there may be some people that disagree with that, but I don't know. We'll see. And you know, what about the X Files when Fox Mulder decides to leave? That show got pretty bad after that too, but. At the same time, you know, Scully was pretty much equal billing with Fox, with Fox Mulder, and it still was terrible when he left. So I don't know. I'm not so sure any show can, like this, a long running show can survive this kind of massive character change. It makes me a little worried. Spoiler, I didn't know 
that I didn't watch the last four seasons of the X-Files. I've been always meaning to catch up. But now I know that friggin' uh, David Duchovny leaves the show. You knew Damn you, that. Chris. Everybody knows that. Right? Yeah, I guess I Doggett was there, right? Is it uh, yeah. the Terminator guy? Yeah, the Terminator guy came on. See, you even knew his name. I couldn't have pulled his name out. <laughs> I don't think anyway. Like an encyclopedia of useless information, another information that is almost impossible to recall at a moment's notice. The Doggett I got. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, anyways, I don't know. I can't think of another example, but tough. Tough well, to survive. There's tons of examples. I mean, there's the last season of Scrubs. Uh, most of the actors left. Um, uh, what's god damn it that 70s show with uh, what's his name that became the uh, was in Spider-Man for a little <laughs> Topher while Grace, Topher Grace Topher Grace Topher Grace Topher yeah. Grace and uh, even uh, uh, <laughs> this is yeah lovely recall Jason good of you to call it out there yeah uh, when they left the sh- that 70s show that kind of show petered out as well well right? yeah but I don't so, who worries about like a, a half hour sitcom petering out like nobody they, they either oh, make sure it, they do. They're, they're going to make either it's either going to work or it's not. This that is 70 a, show was a good show for the first few years. Yeah, I did like it too as a comedy. That's that's and I'll give Red you that. was one of the best dads on television. <laughs> Fun time is over. And, and Kitty and Kitty Red and Kitty. Oh my god, yeah. it was a good show. Okay, that's fine for a while. For a while, yeah. Well, listen, I actually have a a counterpoint here from Richard in Bristol, UK. And, uh, Richard is, um, he's talking about a show I don't know, but we'll see what he says. He says, I'm actually pretty happy that Daryl is going to become the lead character and not because I'm a Norman Reedus fan. The situation reminds me of when Blake's seven completely changed things and killed off the main character and the show became even better as the new lead character was extremely flawed and the stories and plot benefited from having a lead character that wasn't ostensibly a good guy. Suddenly, you had someone in charge who didn't want to be there, was mainly out for themselves, and had problems controlling and communicating with his crew. I see parallels with Daryl here. Daryl has problems with impulse control. He's taciturn, a loner by nature, and doesn't communicate well with people. His chosen negotiation tactic being a crossbow bolt in the eye. He won't want to be the leader. He won't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to influence people. He'll make poor choices and decisions based on short-term goals rather than long-term objectives. In short, he's a he's bad leader material. And all of that makes him a great choice for lead character. He'll make mistakes that will cost the group dear, but he'll become a good leader despite his faults. And I believe that this is what will make the show worth watching. Seeing how Daryl evolves into a true leader that everyone trusts and respects as much as they trust and respect Rick now. The opportunities for character development are immense. So That's a good point. It, it is... But I have a hard time imagining a scenario where this happens and it happens in a natural, organic way inside the show. Daryl, he's gone. He went from being kind of an arrogant prick to being this really introverted kind of guy who who does make rash decisions. And now they've got a bring him right back from that up to like Rick level leader status. If he's going to lead the show. And I guess Richard's point is you don't necessarily 
have to be that kind of character to be the lead character, but it kind of feels like maybe that's what they're going to go for with Daryl here. I don't know. Um, Blake seven, I think is an old British sci-fi show. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I really want to see this from 1978 to 1981. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I want to see this. <laughs> well, we're, you'll have to see if you can dig it up somewhere, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think, Richard, I think you make a good point. I think there's definitely some opportunity for character development. I just have a hard time imagining it with Daryl. But if they can pull it off, why not? could be amazing. Not only do they have to pull it off, but they have to get buy-in from the fans. Right. Right? So that's going to be a tough sell. Because not only do they have to do this, but they have to get everybody that is not open-minded like you, me, uh, and some various other people on the internet Wait a minute. I'm open-minded. The internet's open-minded. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, just in theoretically we're open-minded, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh so other they have to get the masses uh to buy into this and uh I'm not sure they can. Yeah, that's going to be the hardest thing if if they try to do something like that. So Maybe they'll just get Enid to be the primary character and we'll watch her going around being a spy for people. Yeah, that's funny. There was a there was a, some news earlier this week uh, I actually haven't read it yet, but the headline was that Enid will play a bigger role in season nine. Oh, thank God. Because if she was going to leave the show too, I mean, that's the straw that broke the camel's no, back, right? No show can survive, <laughs> though, like Rick, Maggie, and Enid leaving. Like, and after already losing Stephen Ogg, I don't know if I could do it. Holy crap. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, Stephanie on the internet wrote in with another long email, and she writes... I think AMC and the writers knew last season that Andrew Lincoln was leaving the show. That final scene with Maggie, Jesus, and Daryl appeared to set up a showdown between that gang of three and Rick and Michonne over Rick's decision to spare Negan. And early in, earlier in the season, they started to build a rift between Rick and Daryl. They had different philosophies regarding the sanctuary. Rick wanted to wait it out. Daryl drove the truck through the wall. <laughs> Rick gave his word to a savior that he would not be killed and could take Rick's Jeep if he just told Rick where the others were headed. And that was the big weapons they were looking for. Yep. Uh, the savior accepted that deal, gave Rick the intel, but Daryl immediately killed him. Rick was trying to reason with Morales, but Daryl walks in and shoots him without a moment's thought. And the two came to actual blows over the weapons that got away from Carol. I thought all of that was a result of Daryl's PTSD from being Negan's prisoner and never thought of it as a true rift between the true quote unquote brothers. But perhaps it had more meaning than that. Perhaps it has all been a lead in to help us accept that Daryl would side with Maggie against Rick. And maybe the showdown will, will come Maybe the showdown to come will position Daryl to be the new leader of the uh, survivors when Rick exits the show one way or another. That said, I have a hard time believing that AMC would send Lenny James to fear the walking dead had they known. And I seriously doubt they would decide to kill Carl if they knew they were losing Rick. And with the Nigeria's movie career taking off, I can't imagine that Michonne is long for this show either. It was a very sad day for us, the fans, but I wish Andrew Lincoln the very best, and I look forward to seeing him on the big screen. Mm -hmm. So what Stephanie is saying is that all that stuff between Rick and Daryl was sort of leading up to them not agreeing, Rick ultimately leaving, and Daryl stepping into this leadership role. Um, and, you know, 
framed like that, you can almost see the pieces falling into place a little bit. And I also believe that Andrew Lincoln would have had to make his intentions known much sooner than like right now. Yes, I think there's a big difference between Andrew Lincoln knowing and discussing it with AMC leadership and the show's producers. Uh, I think there's a big line between that and the writer's room finding out about it and writing it into the show somehow. Except that the writers are almost the most important people to get that information early because they're but writing they're not management. Episodes. They're not necessarily, I mean, I mean, we have the showrunner as part of the writer st- writing staff, right? But other than that, uh, I, I just have a hard time believing that this high-level negotiations about somebody's career falling into the writer's room at that point. I, I don't think they knew about it. I think they might've been, there might've been some direction from, uh, Scott Gimple saying we need to do this and this and this, but I think that it would have had to been really subtle. And I don't think that uh, he would have been able to answer questions like, why the hell are we doing that? You know, just do it because I told you I'm your boss. Shut up. (laughs) It makes for a pleasant working environment. So what what you're saying is that the upper brass and Gimple would have known, Kirkman would have known, but they, and, and they structured their instructions to the writers to work around this without actually giving them all the information. I'm saying the first thing, yes. The second thing, possibly, that the writing staff was given direction. Like that might have been a possibility because I I think maybe the the brass and Andrew Lincoln's uh, and his staff or, you know, management uh, were probably in negotiations. Andrew Lincoln's thinking about this, you know, we want to pose this idea to you. And they're like, well, you know what? We can give you a little bit more money, but we're not going to give you a whole lot more money. And Andrew Lincoln's saying, you know, it's not about the money. It's about, you know, I think I've gone as far as I can go here and all that kind of discussion that goes around. Uh, and then getting, a, you know, the contract ending and renegotiating and all that kind of stuff. I think that is happening on a different level than what is happening in the writing room. But I just don't think it can be happening concurrently because if they're writing, they might be writing Rick to be in all 16 episodes and play a huge part. And that's done. And then they get information. Oh, I'm leaving. I mean, they, they had to have known before two weeks ago or one week no, ago. No, they, that absolutely. I think the season that's upcoming, they absolutely knew about it. I think last season, they didn't know about oh, it. Oh, oh, that, no. Last season, I don't think they knew about it. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but they had to have known before they really put too much finger to typewriter on uh, finger to keyboard yeah. for season nine. They probably have a gut check time, right? At, at, you know, when uh, they're about to start writing the season, they probably get everybody in a room. It's like, okay, uh, we need some no shit estimates as to whether or not you think you're going to be on this show for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right? right. We're about to start writing. If you're going to do anything that may disrupt the writing or production of this show, you better fucking tell us right now. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> if you're if you're gonna get in DUI and go to jail for six months, like, you know, figure that out yeah. now. So yeah, yeah. If you plan on drinking and driving, first of all, fucking don't. Yes, you idiot. But if you're planning on doing something really stupid and getting incarcerated for six months, could you let us know? Just have some common courtesy, some decency. Like we're trying to make a good show here, people. <laughs> yeah, I plan on destroying private property and uh, going on a mailbox rampage. I mean, nobody's going to get hurt, but it's against the law. I might so have I to might get caught. Go away for a while. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. We have Paul from England and Paul writes, I bet Gimple is really regretting killing Carl off now. 
I don't know if Judith will exit with Rick, but The Walking Dead has always centered around the Grimes family, and to continue the main show without him is, to me, unthinkable. They should just wrap up the story so that this particular group that we've been following all these years get to have an ending to their story and hand over the reins to fear. Whilst we're yet to see if that show can survive without Nick, it has been better than the main show for the last two seasons, in my opinion. In any case, I'm sure that thank you, Andrew, will be on all our lips before too long. And I I don't. I think that's not a terrible idea either. Like wind down the main show, give it a solid, satisfying ending and let fear take it from here and, you know, start other spinoffs, start other walking dead shows if you want. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a terrible idea to leave them wanting more and end a show. while it's still good. If you even think it is still good, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't, but yeah, I mean, reincarnate Simon. And have him team up with Jadis and start their own show somewhere. <laughs> the Simon and Jadis show. They, Go to New York. Wouldn't that be cool, wandering around New York with zombies? It would, but you know why they don't do that? It's way too fucking expensive. It's way too fucking expensive to have post-apocalyptic New York. Uh, All right, come to Toronto. We're cheaper. Totally. Right? <laughs> All you got to do is show the CN Tower half cracked off once in a while and everything's fine. <laughs> oh, zombies <laughs> knock over the CN Tower? How would they do that? <laughs> I don't know. But Well, you have to assume a plane crashes into it or something. That could happen. Yeah. I'm trying not to say cool. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, a few calls. I'm going to the CN Tower next weekend, so uh, if that kind of thing happens, you know, hold off for a couple of weeks. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a couple of calls here before... We wrap it up. First one comes from Siobhan. Oh, hello. This is Siobhan from uh, Lancashire in England. And, well, we've just heard that um, uh, Rick (laughs) will be no more in season nine. And to be honest, I would prefer Carol to take over um, as as kind of the the big cheese on The Walking Dead rather than Daryl. But anyway, there we go. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you, Siobhan. What do you think about that? Carol taking over. I think that could work. That could work. I mean, Carol and Daryl had this thing going on a little bit, uh, you know, a few seasons ago. You rekindled that shit. You know what? Now, just making you saying that sort of makes me think fine, maybe Daryl's going to get the big, big paycheck. But if he can't do this alone, then this might bring other characters actually more to the forefront like carol maybe we'll get much more ezekiel maybe we'll get um you know more who the hell else is there (laughs) uh Uh, hmm maybe judith will be a main character now yeah i I don't know if there's a big time jump judith will be like 15 years old enid will be 38 and you know you can time jump and recast everybody you probably could yeah but fuck it recast rick as uh john goodman or something that'd work (laughs) (laughs) where do you ever where would you ever get that idea um (laughs) jump at 15 years in the future and you're good to go sure but but i think maybe this is an opportunity to give some of these other characters a little bit more to do like you know maybe uh maybe gregory can really step up and and get some shit done yeah no (laughs) nobody wants he's a he's a fun side character but i don't think we could promote him to no i'm i'm getting about that of course but uh carol carol's a pretty good choice i think ezekiel i think would be a good choice more ezekiel is always good 
I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, and besides Eugene is back on the good side now. Maybe, maybe he can be given something to do. Rosita. There's lots of choices. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, another call here from Tim. Hey, Chris. Hey, Jason. Uh, this is Tim from East Lansing, Michigan. Um, love the show. Long time listener. Uh, first time I'm really calling in, but uh, with the news that we received, it was kind of felt imperative to at least give my two cents. Um, I agree that I think the show is going to have to really change direction if it wants to keep going with Andrew Lincoln leaving. Um, but I think they can do it. They have a lot of really good side characters with untapped potential or who they put on the shelf in the last couple seasons. Um, Daryl definitely can't do it alone, but we'll have to see really what they do with the writing there. Um, but one big thing that I really thought of uh, that would be interesting to see once they do phase out Maggie and Rick is uh, what's going to happen to Negan because Maggie and Rick were the two polar opposite characters in regards to him, uh, Rick wanting him to live and Maggie wanting him to die. So if they don't play that out, I really do wonder what's going to happen with his character and how long uh, he's going to stay on the show because I do know a lot of people like that character as well as the actor. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I really have. Keep up the good work. Um, I only really like listening to you guys in terms of podcasts, so keep it up, guys. I know Andrew Lincoln's leaving, but we're in it for the long haul. Cool. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for that at the end there, too. Um, but I think Tim makes an interesting point. I mean, these are the two characters, primary two characters, who disagreed over Negan's fate. And suddenly they're both going to be gone. Where does that leave Negan? Oh, yeah. Back in the show. It, it doing causing shit and taking names. I, I mean, I guess. Or does this does this mean Negan will be phased out, too? Who knows what, you know, contract status of JDM is. But I feel like there's conflict between Rick and Negan, between Maggie and Negan, and now between Maggie and Rick. And then two of those people are disappearing. And so all that conflict is gone. So Negan's just going to be sitting there in a cell or uh, whatever which I don't feel like is a good use of JDM's talents. So I don't know. What does this mean for Negan? I think it means he might be out of jail and back doing stuff. Like you said. Yeah. Cause, causing shit. I think, uh, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think that might happen. I mean, there's a good chance it would happen anyways, because I can't see Jeffrey Dean Morgan sitting around in a jail cell for, for too long, but it, it does mean we don't kind of know what's going to happen when he gets out. The two people that hated him the most are not there anymore. And, yeah, uh, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe Negan and Rick will ride off into the sunset together and both just leave the show. <laughs> like we're going to start a band. I don't know. <laughs> are they on one horse or two horses? Uh, and if they're on one oh, horse, who's in front? I, I think two horses. One horse is one horse would just be way too three amigos <laughs> for some reason. Uh, sure. I I think Negan would be on a horse and maybe Rick is on a pony riding beside him. A <laughs> uh, pony's just a small horse, right? I know, but it's small and it would be funny. <laughs> Somebody's got to be riding in the wagon. I th I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Rick would be riding the horse and Negan would be uh riding, you know, leading the wagon <laughs> or or draped over the back of the horse. For some reason. <laughs> okay, one more call here from Thomas. Hello, Chris and Jason. This is Thomas from Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I'm just calling. Uh, I love the show, by the way. Uh, great job. I, I've been listening for four and a half years now. Um, it's been a, a great ride with you guys. Um, I, I was just had a quick question for you and, and see if you guys are feeling the same way as I am. Um, with the news about Andrew Lincoln leaving the show uh, and Rick Grimes effectively, um, 
probably being killed off. Um, are you guys, is your interest uh, dipped so much that you don't want to watch the show anymore? Um, for me, I've been kind of hooked on Fear the Walking Dead for the past two years, and the last two seasons of that show have well outperformed um, its counterpart in The Walking Dead. Um, I, I just have a lot more fun watching that show. Um, the characters are more interesting, and especially since Carl died, who was, to me, the linchpin of the show, um, the future of the apocalypse, if you will. Um, it just kind of uh, kills the my desire to even watch the show anymore very much. Um, just, just wanted your guys' thoughts on it. Thanks again for podcasting. Have a good one. Thank you very much, Thomas. And I, my interest in watching the show hasn't diminished at all, I don't think, but it's, it changes all the time, right? And news like this is, is a big thing. And now I am mostly curious to just see where they take it and see what they do with it. And find out how they handle this kind of thing, because it's not something I ever really considered all these years. I always kind of thought Rick would be there from beginning to end. And then when Carl got killed off, I'm like, okay, so we're losing Carl. It never occurred to me that another, you know, primary number one main character would be gone. Um, but now he is apparently. So, my interest is still there. I still love watching the show. I still love podcasting about the show. Um, but it, now we have this extra layer of, oh my God, how are they going to handle this? What are they going to do? And that's pretty much, pretty much where I'm at with it right now. I'm, I'm super anxious for the trailer from Comic-Con, uh, assuming they do one, because you never know what this news means for their marketing strategy over the next summer uh, or next few months. But I am looking forward to season nine, maybe even more now than I was before. Right. I don't think we're ever going to stop watching the show. No. Uh, I would don't think I that would ever occur to me to actually, <laughs> I've said it many times that I'm going to rage quit if, you know, Enid leaves the show, for example. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I'd ever actually stop watching the show. At the very least, uh, I want to be part of a support group of uh you know, watchers of this show that has gone from uh, point A to point B. Uh, so, you know, we'll all commiserate together if the show really does take a big giant turd. Uh, but I don't think it will necessarily. But whatever happens, I'm going to watch this show until it's not on the air anymore. Yep, whatever happens, happens, and we're going to stick with it. And I do, well, and I'll just say again, I do still look forward to it and uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Even if I wasn't doing this, there's not too many shows I have stopped watching in the middle uh, without finishing. It's happened. I can name a couple, but... Uh, I can name seven. Can you? You don't have to. Yeah. I believe you. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's there's been one or two. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't have the investment in any of those that I do do in this. And, you know, Thomas... Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead has been really good and arguably the last little while being better than The Walking Dead. Uh, but both shows have had their ups and downs and, you know, I get lots of enjoyment out of both too. So that's it. If they start a third or a fourth Walking Dead TV show, I will likely watch it. I don't know if I could handle podcasting about it though. That would be... That'd be tough. It, That'd be really tough. It would be tough. Exactly. Uh, as as amazing as this is, honestly, 
it's kind of nice to have a couple months off over the summer when neither show is on to just podcast about other things or, you know, not have to, um, just not have to be right there on it all, all the time. But, uh, that's just, you know, everyone's natural desire for a little bit of free time, <laughs> I guess, at least, <laughs> yeah. at least mine anyways, but no, we're sticking with it. I still get lots of fun out of it and I hope lots of people do as well and that, uh, we can be a part of that. Like you said, Jason. Yeah. Okay. Thanks everyone for writing and calling. And uh, that's all we have for this week. Next week on Fear the Walking Dead, we are going to be covering the mid-season finale when hopefully everything all falls into place and comes together and we can move off into the future with the after timeline and we don't have to look back at the before anymore. Uh, But it will be sad since Madison's going to be dead that, uh, you know, we'll have to deal with that. Um, but that's, that's next week. We'll get to that in, uh, about seven days. In the meantime, if you would like to contact us, please visit talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail up at the top and you can send us a message. I've noticed a few people have been using that and the messages are getting a little staticky. I don't know if that's, if that's the, the recording service we use up there, but I'll look into it. Uh, but if not, just, I don't know, maybe make sure your, your microphone is turned, not cranked all the way up and, and causing static. So I don't know. I'm not blaming anybody, but uh, I'll it, take a look into it. It's just blaming on entropy. It's just the universe getting worse as time goes on. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, but if if you want to send us your, your recorded voice, you can also do that sort of on your phone. You know, most phones, smartphones have voice memo apps, and that's a, usually a pretty good way to do it. <laughs> What? What? Nothing. I'm just laughing at phones and talking on them and how <laughs> most phones you can actually call people on nowadays. Well, I don't know if you know that. I heard. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's kind of weird nowadays, but anyway. These days you can call people on your watch. So I bet you friggin' Apple watches have voice memo apps. I don't know. I don't own one. Nice. Um, anyways, that's a good way to do it. And then email us the file. You can, of course, do that and send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and then visit us on Twitter at Talking Dead eh, or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. Okay, that is going to do it for this week. We'll see you next week, everyone, when we cover the midseason finale of Fear. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.